0: Welcome to Base Camp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rizak. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Throughout my journey as a man and as a leader in the field of men's personal development, one particular approach has stayed with me over time. The use of male archetypes to help men on their hero's journey, whatever path that might be for each man. It was how I was trained as a young man, and I have had a love affair with these archetypes ever since. As the philosophical backbone of the Mankind Project's New Warrior training, work in these concepts have continually provided a forward path with upward movement. And the use of archetypes has many dimensions as the great philosopher and author Carl Jung helped us to understand. Archetypes can bring us into mythical and transcendent realms where the collective and personal intersect. And they also act as a diagnostic lens where we can read what is happening in humanity by looking in any direction inward, outward, personal, or collective. Once your inner eye starts to focus on myth and archetypes, you start to see with new vision, a new vision that is full of magic and possibility as to where we are going and how you might properly play your role. Archetypes are great for enlarging the context, for making the conversation bigger. The larger the context for our unfoldment, the more excited I get. And with that in mind, let's go have a conversation about male archetypes with our friend, James Rapson. James Rapson has been an innovator in the field of personal and professional development for over 20 years. A former psychotherapist, his focus is now on training and coaching. He is an internationally published author and nationally recognized speaker and workshop leader. And he also co authored the book, Anxious to Please Seven Revolutionary Practices for the Chronically Nice, with longtime friend and collaborator Craig English. Here is my interview with James Rapson. Okay. I am here with James Rapson, coach, friend of the show, uh, returning guest, James Rapson. James, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It's great to have you back on the show.
1: Thanks, Tony. It's really great to talk to you again.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I was really excited Round in the corner uh, of the new year, and I was thinking of you. Uh, I wanted to do a show about male archetypes. I've done a number of them. Some solo, some I've had other men on, and I just thought it would be a great time to check in with you around this. So I sent you some questions and you were game. So I I was super excited about it. Um, And, you know, people, therapists and others, I know you're not a Jungian therapist, nor am I, uh, but for me... I just find archetypes to be a really useful way to frame men's personal development and i think Mm -hmm. i think jung was one of the most important thinkers of the past hundred years and it starts to get into joseph campbell and myth and hero's journey and stuff when you start to go that way and i just i'm really attracted to all that and i guess my first question to you is like what what would be the value of working with archetypes like how do you define them what are they in your view there's not really a right or wrong answer but what what how are they useful I guess in men's personal development
1: well I wonder if you have had the same experience as I have uh, with with men when you begin talking about archetypes or when they've been exposed and so they come talk to you um, if I were to put it into one word it would be resonance mm. uh, yeah. you know, th- you know that they that uh, and even even if they don't know yet that they're talking about archetypes yeah uh you know they they see they see something with whether it's it's a a, a warrior archetype, a king archetype, a hero archetype, you know uh, but they it resonates with something in them mm-hmm. where they and, and maybe within the confines and the confidentiality of that room with you, it's almost like a confession at first, yeah, like, uh, you know they feel like i, I don't, I'd be embarrassed to tell my wife or my friend this but I kind of resonate with that you totally. know and and it, and quite often it's aspirational mm-hmm. you know they like I want to become that I want to develop that in myself I don't know did you relate to that absolutely absolutely I remember when I
0: first got in contact with the archetypes it Took a lot for me to realize, geez, I've got really flabby warrior energy because I'm around men that have really clear boundaries that have no problem saying no to requests and all these different things. And it was like, whoa, I've I would never say I've got weak or warrior energy to any friend, but it Mm -hmm. became evident, wow, I've got some work to do, I got some work to do to reclaim that part of me because I see. The gifts that it's bringing this man, and I want a little bit of that. You know what I mean? So, or I might need that in the in
1: the coming chapters of my hero's journey. So, yeah, yes, yeah, it, no, it, exactly. And so um, we see it, we see it in others, and and some sometimes, I guess, I would say, particularly what we might see on the silver screen mm. uh, it, with with regard to, uh, especially warrior. Is um, n- not necessarily the best example, right? Uh, quite right. often of of warrior, and yet it it appeals to something within men, right? And uh, they at the same time they don't necessarily have the best cultural examples. Many men don't have. So okay. it sounds like when you talk about looking at uh, men around you, showing as you put it the gifts of good boundaries yeah and and then resonate and uh, at some level going kind of going that's good warrior energy i need more of that you know good yeah. on you to recognize that and to say that's something that i need to uh, develop in myself uh, and going and going from there—that's that's a that's a terrific growth process.
0: Well, and and you're you're talking about Hollywood, you know. Uh, you're you see a lot of this, you know, John Wick, you know, just blasting through. It's just like that's not really. And I think to your point, men—they they, it appeals to them because there's a lot of assertion of power. Yes. but, but it's such a shadow. It's not really clean energy at the point where you're killing everybody to get back at, you know, this cabal that you know killed your wife and your dog. you know, it's like it's it's not scaled and it's not it doesn't have real life application. You're not gonna do that. but what what are the real gifts of that archetype that aren't overblown by this Hollywood blockbuster? Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. it's 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 uh, I think there's there's more. Uh, uh uh lessons to be learned that aren't that bombastic or whatever right it's just like it doesn't you know what what it, what's the real gifts of that archetype that aren't about this kind of quick turn to violence and assertion of my anger for, yes. for example right yeah yeah
1: yeah well you know in in an overarching sense and we're we're talking about a a handful i think say of of archetypes but in an overarching sense um i think I think what we 're talking about in all of them is a trajectory that involves going from the immature expression to the mature expression mm. and in some ways, what that trajectory or that development involves has to do with how how a person really navigates the process of of um, uh, either digesting or not digesting pain and Mm -hmm. suffering Mm -hmm. and whether that becomes, uh, uh, sorry for jumping around a little bit like this, but in a sense, whether, whether it becomes a process like, uh, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, now he's really specifically talking about the hero, but you could, in some ways, I'm not saying, you know, you know, car blanche apply it to all archetypes, but I'm saying that there is something similar in a journey process from the immature version of each of these to yep. the mature version. so if we're talking about, you know, when you're talking about John Wick or you're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, one of the Vin Diesel uh, things yep. or what have you, all of our, all of our quote heroes or warriors right now in these things are, have to have some anti-hero in them. Yeah. And I think that it's because uh, it's in, in some ways we don't believe in the mature version. Right. Uh, Hollywood doesn't think that there is a truly mature version of, of the hero or the warrior. I, I shouldn't mm-hmm. say it doesn't. I mean, there are there are modern examples. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the the one that everybody knows is is Aragorn uh, in uh, yeah. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, uh, but there are others um, that you can that you can point to. But it's you know the what's what's really noteworthy about these these less mature versions is they are um, they are cathecting the accomplished hero, but. Those heroes, what's noteworthy is those heroes don't really undergo a true transformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there is John Wick. You know, he he loses his wife and his dog, and you know he or, right. And supposedly that's his transformation, but he's not really transformed by it. He just gets real mad. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he closes up as totally. opposed to opening up. Yeah. So. Yeah it taps it taps into that kind of shadow of like I'm going
0: to get back all the people that wronged me so it's it's he's operating out of a wound but it's not Correct. from a spiritual realization that, you know, w- w- who do I really need to forgive here? You know, he said, That's you know, right. It would make a, for a boring movie if he sat on a cushion and realized, oh, you know, there's a lot of projection going on here. But, <laughs> right. But, that's, that's right. Yeah,
1: yeah. John yeah. Wick Five. Yeah. 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 He the finally, insight. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's,
0: he sits on a Zabuton for two hours and then people boo the screen. But, yeah, right. um, yeah. um, But, you know, I thought it would be useful to go through because. In, the, in men's work, uh, the way that I was trained and brought up and the way that I coach actually, too, is I, we work with f- uh, five archetypes. We're going we're gonna to talk about four of them today, which is warrior, king, lover, magician. And I thought it would just be interesting to say, you know, to, to, to sort of unpack, like, what are you seeing in the collective, uh, you know, on the, on the macro level? you know, how do you know if men are are, are are strong and clear in that archetype or how, you know, are they maybe not strong? Maybe they're showing a lot of shadow tendencies. And if there's any personal um, uh, stuff for you and, and I, we could unpack that because I have things to say. I, I happen to be Um, Pretty strong and clear in both warrior and magician and my edge is really in lover and king and I believe Collectively, there's a lot of work to be done in the king, which i'll speak about and i'll save that one for last Um, But I thought it would be just good to look at each one So starting we've kind of already started to unpack warrior, but I guess I wanted to ask you like Uh, How do you know if a man is really clear in his warrior energy? Uh, uh, We've talked about the collective and how Hollywood kind of pumps this, this, you know, immature version of the warrior for everybody to see and say, this is, this is warrior energy, but it's not, what is a mature version of warrior? And when you meet a man that maybe needs work or needs to be stronger in that archetype, what kind of behaviors, what do you see in the man? And I'll, I'll share a bit once I, once I get your input. Good.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, um, last time I was with you, we mm-hmm. we talked about my book, and uh, I the book involves uh, seven practices, and the third practice is warrior practice, and I think it I think it actually applies here. Um, the way I defined warrior practice, or the warrior in that particular thing that we're striving to be, is is someone who has a conscious personal ethic. In other words, they've actually worked to develop what is my personal ethic, not necessarily, you know, what's something that I subscribe to, yeah. but, but actually this is, they've worked it out. This is, this is really, um, uh, you know, as, uh, the poet David White said, uh, looking back with firm eyes saying, this is where I stand. Mm. Uh, so that, that they have a conscious personal ethic, uh, that they have developed the capacity to hold intense emotions without reflexive action. In Uh, other words, I can feel something, I can, I'm I'm sorry, did I cut you? No, you're good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, That, that I can feel something powerful without having to act. Mm -hmm. And that when the time is, time comes to act, that I am able to act and to recognize that moment and to act. So, in uh, in in that book, I, that's how I define uh, the warrior, and that's not to say that's the you know the ultimate no, no. In definition. I, but that's kind of how I think about
0: it. That, that's great. I love that you're that you flesh it out in a way because that's the thing about archetypal work too. Is it's it's different. The micro for the personal level, and your views are always going to be different. How you see it, the lens is going to be a little different. Um, And I love it. Actually, I love what you what you said in your book about warrior practice I you know, one of the ways that I kind of see it in the collective the shadow of it um, Not just what the hollywood thing that we talked about Where men might be quick to go to violence or anger rather than contain it to your point Like to build a capacity for strong emotion and not reflexively lash out at your loved ones or the world um, but I see where I see a flabby warrior collectively is all the men I know who are good men. Mm -hmm. They are so hypnotized by things like fantasy football. Mm -hmm. Um, And to me, that speaks of a weak warrior energy because the warrior puts first things first. You can't have warriors defending the kingdom who are talking about, uh, you know, whether Brett Favre was a better quarterback than than Aaron Rodgers for two hours. That's not what the warrior does. The warrior is like, like we're putting that aside. And it's not to say you can't have diversions, but I see way too much uh, uh, sports talk, just stuff that doesn't really matter. I mean, things are really heightened right now in the world and inside of men. And I think, and it's not from a judging point of view, cause I, I did that stuff. I was a sports a for decades and I did fa- things like fantasy football, mm-hmm. but it, it, it didn't pass the warrior test within myself. In other words, when I asked, is this really important? Is this really something that you want to spend your time on? The honest answer from the, the quadrant of the warrior was no, this does not matter at all. So why don't you set it aside? And that doesn't mean, you know, I'm condemning, you know, the immature expression of like, let me just screw around on the internet or screw around in sports and take up hours and hours of my time. If somebody wants to spend time with that, I just, it, it it is, it would sort of shirk my responsibility to say, to not point it out that, look, that's not really strong warrior energy.
1: Yeah. I don't hear it as condemnation. I hear it. Um, actually as a a, a mature, a mature warrior, uh, and, you know, uh, actually saying where is, you know, where are you investing your energy? Yeah. And because there's a limited amount. Yeah. And, um, uh, one of the things that, uh, as i was as i was thinking about and and kind of uh jotting notes down in anticipation of our talk today i thought back to something that uh i had learned many years ago with some somebody else that i was uh reading and he had said something really compelling to me that um he was talking about the sadism and masochism in each of us you mm-hmm. know not capital s capital m but small s small m that each of us have mm-hmm. And he said that, that um, as we grow, as we develop, uh, that the, what we can do, it's not inevitable, but the sadism under the aegis of love can grow into discipline, and the masochism in each of us can grow into compassion. Hmm. And what, what we, we actually really, really need— instead of running away from our own sadism, running away from our own masochism, it's not that we need to bury those things. It's actually that we need to sponsor them. Mm. We need to sponsor them into into a more mature form. So when you're talking about uh, having that willingness, whether it's in uh, an individual setting, a group setting, professional coaching, what have you, uh, but doing, and I do the same thing, Tony, of knowing the right moment to (laughs) probably figuratively but grab another guy by the the lapel Mm -hmm. and and say listen man you're you're wasting yeah some of the energy that really needs to go into being this warrior or being that king in your life or 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 what have you so i think that's what i mean am i wrong and i think that's what you're referring to to
0: totally i mean i got i got put on the hot seat you know thankfully by men that cared a lot about my personal development but the tone was like what in the hell are you doing what are you going to make your life about tony like it yeah. was po- it was pointed but i'd waited my whole life to hear that from other men that cared
1: you know what yeah. i mean yeah, yeah.
0: you know i'm noticing this am, am i wrong i mean what yeah. are you what are you committed to here and it was like i needed that in a setting that was safe and and men are okay being called out when they know you've got their best interests right it's okay and i had i had had a mentor a beautiful mentor jim mitchell who said you know men can handle feedback from mature men and he said it's the difference the reason men reflexively move away from uh criticism is because when they were younger they got criticized with shame and and by yes. by by men that were that did not know how to criticize cleanly. He goes, It's the difference between being right. cut, cut with a clean blade and cut with a rusty blade. When a man is cut with sarcasm. It, it's a wound that doesn't heal when you cut a man cleanly and it's in his own best interest They right. can receive it. It stings a little because nobody likes to be called out in front of other men But they can receive it and it heals and it they grow from it because you're right. not you're not out to demean them You're out for their growth and nobody's ever called out this, you know immature behavior, you know And so yeah. when, it, when it's acting that way, I think men can really grow from it um, and I know I did and I was really appreciative to be uh, uh I don't want to say even say constructively criticized, but just called out of you're being immature here. You know that, right? And it's like, oh yeah, I am. Wow.
1: Yeah. No, it's in that context, it becomes skillful surgery. Yeah. And uh, uh, there is there is a lot of skill in knowing how to do it, but the biggest part is actually having the maturity, and that having that maturity includes an element that you can't get any other way than by maturing, which is true humility. Yes. So there's true humility involved in having the, um, the boldness Mm -hmm. to apply your own laser beam and say, yeah, you know, uh, quit your squirming. This is where you're off. Yep. Yep. And, and when you do that, with that person and that person has invited you into that place they 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 don't just not hate it they love it absolutely they feel absolutely. the love in that yep yep how
0: about how about uh how about the archetypal lover what do you what do you see in regards to men there are they are we what's our edge collectively uh where are we expressing that archetype where are we not
1: yeah yeah Boy, I have such mixed emotions about of where we are you know culturally with this. Mm-hmm. I think other cultures uh, are 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 better than the the, the u s in particular. Mm-hmm. I see um, there are some ways in which we're we're kind of making some some steps forward in terms of men learning how to do this. but my goodness, there's um I would say I, I saw a term just the other day that I really liked. Um uh see if you even know what i I mean in this term uh petulant vulnerability <laughs> I, <like that. laughs> I just loved it when I read it, but I had the context of the full article. you were talking about this whole thing of 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 men who are kind of going into this and being vulnerable, but it's this very whiny kind of, this is why I deserve special treatment and should Mm. be, you know, should be excused for my behavior. And, uh, you know, um, and, uh, this is, you know, let's, let's say it like it is, this is not love at all. Right. And, uh, so uh, I see it uh, I see it popping up a lot in uh, in love relationships that, that' are in my practice whether it's couples or individuals um, where um, so uh, and I see the flip side of it where uh, men are so armored against uh, uh, against uh, any kind of, any kind of weakness. So I see a lot where men have uh, manifest the, the sort of, I I don't really love the term love addiction Mm because I think there's a, you know, I, but I wouldn't want to less to go deeply into, you know, what, what is addiction, but where it looks like that. And I think we've all seen that, you know uh, so that also is, is not actual, actual love, One of the one of the things that I notice in the collective, um,
0: we have a lot of work to do. Actually, in this archetype, that one thing I see in the collective is men. We've been so conditioned, uh, not to show that we. uh, I think our care, our intense heartbreak. For what we see happening in the world to women, children, to the systems that we live under that don't where we don't as a humanity, we don't thrive in a lot of the systems we see. And I think it's so heartbreaking that men don't even want to get over there in how much they care about what's going on. So I see a lot of armor, including myself. Like I have to check myself. Like I deeply, deeply care about our tribe. I deeply care about our collective hero's journey and what is emerging in humanity. And I always have to make sure I'm wearing my heart on my sleeve to model it because my tendency and my training is to not show that part because it feels so vulnerable, and it and it has, you know, we've been heartbroken, and um, to own that. And the other thing I noticed on a personal level is just how much I don't want to show my joy. Like I don't, mm, I, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll give, I'll, I'll let my joy go to about a six. I yeah. nobody nobody wants to see ten, you know. It's like, yeah. and it's like, why not show it once? So, you know, it's just like yes. this this kind of tempered and a lot of really good men i know they're tempered across the board on their emotions and including the joy and the love and the and just the exuberance of like you know i don't I, I i think of sam keen who said you know i know a lot of hardworking, responsible men what i don't know enough of is men that are juicy and just vibrant and playful and i think that's a real blind spot for men i think we're naturally As boys, we're naturally exuberant and playful. Um, You know, it's just coming out. It's coming out of us. And then we grow into these responsible men who are like, well, that's for the kids. And it's like, I really feel like we lose something when we leave our exuberant little boy behind. And I think that's firmly over in the lover category. And I, I try to indicate that to the men I work with. Like, don't forget the little boy that really wants to play, that really wants that expression. Um, And I have to remind myself, I have work to do, James, on this as an edge because I can get a little too serious, a little too work, 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 and and not enough like, hey, maybe I need to, you know, I've got these notes that my son wrote me uh, when he was little and he said, he hands them to me, I keep them on my desk in crayon, it says pass to play. And he says, Daddy, if you ever need a pass to play for the day, and you don't want to do work, you can play this card to whoever. Nice. You... And, and so I keep it on my desk is just a reminder, because he presented those to me when he was a little guy. Um, and just as a reminder that look, we, this is a blind spot for men. And my young son reminded me, look, don't, don't forget the little boy that has needs to,
1: to play to have fun to be just self expressed. So um, yeah, yeah. One of the things that I do—that's so beautiful. I love, I love that story. Yeah. One of the things I, I uh, do with with guys on this mm-hmm. is uh, uh, I, I challenge the idea that their heart is broken. Mm. Um, that I and there's there's so many things that I'm remembering as we're talking today about yeah. why I. Uh, why I do coaching instead of therapy. Mm-hmm. Like I I'm a huge fan of uh, psychotherapy. So I'm in no way saying anything uh, bad about that. I love yep. doing it for 20 years, but uh, I can do so many things as a coach now that I couldn't do sure. uh, as a, as a therapist. One of them was like what we were talking about before, like, you know, like kind of getting in a guy's face and saying, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, You know? Yeah. Uh, you know. So, and this is another one. And, and, and like, I can kind of be a little, you know, when a guy is sitting, you know, being, being kind of knock-kneed and saying, well, I can't help it. You know, my heart is broken because she's, you know, I say, your heart's not broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll look at me and the tears will go away. And, and i say, your heart's not broken. It hurts. Yeah. That's different. Yeah. It's tender. Yeah. It hurts. There's nothing wrong, by the way, with you crying. Right. I don't mind that. That's, that's fine. But you're fine. Your heart is is like literally your heart is one of the most powerful muscles in your body mm-hmm. so is your emotional heart yeah it can take a beating yep. and and to to start challenging them to begin to to look at it differently like mm-hmm. your emotional system when you were a little kid your your psychological heart your your emotional psychology it was very bruisable. Mm. you can get damaged it's it's not anymore right begin begin viewing yourself not as tough you know look like I'm gonna clamp down I'm not that like it's a, mature, more, a mature
0: heart space more right right yeah, and, yeah,
1: and, yeah. yeah imagine that you've got so much space in there and you've got you've got so much um you know so much range mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, you know, I'm fully aware, having been more than 30 years in the biz of psychology, I'm fully aware that people have psychological injuries they're still working on and everything like that. But to tease apart and, and kind of help them to reimagine themselves having more emotional more emotional range and things aren't going to break mm-hmm. and like, okay, well, what if in my awkward early steps... I'm giddy, and then people look at me like I'm weirdo. You know what? You're gonna be okay. Yeah, totally. You know, maybe you start figuring out who in your world you can be like that, and who who can't handle it. Or maybe right. you start retraining them to expect you to be giddy sometimes. Yep. Yep.
0: Makes That's sense. Good. That's really good. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah. Um, And. You know, when you when when you think of the archetypal magician, how how do you think of that? How do you how do you conceptualize that? Or what what comes up for you as you think? You know, healthy magician. You know, maybe um, uh, shadow magician. What what types of things come up, or images, or 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 stories might come up for you as you as you look at that quadrant?
1: I'm going to be really interested to hear how you uh, see magician and think of uh, magician. I, I yeah. know what I read; it's different from uh, how I usually—not different, but it's—it's uh, mm-hmm. it's not entirely the way that I normally think about this. But this probably has to do with uh, kind of what I do and how I think about it. Um, T.S. Eliot had a great line a long time ago when he was writing about another writer—a compliment. He said that this guy. Um, This guy makes the strange familiar and the familiar strange. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the things that a magician full in his power does, uh, when we were talking about mastery here, Mm -hmm. um, on behalf of others, makes the familiar strange. In other words, he takes things and then in a really skillful and on behalf of others, he he, kind of turns it on its ear, mm-hmm. and the and the other person isn't. It's not just like confusion for confusion's sake, but confusion for insight's sake. Yes, and the other person, it's so one one example of this would be the kind of trances that we do on behalf of others. Mm-hmm. You know, again, not necessarily just a hip, hypnotic. You know, like I'm going to take you into a trance kind of thing, but where where we just say. Oh, it's not that. It's this, mm-hmm. and the person kind of goes, you know, googly-eyed for a moment, and just goes, "I had never thought of it like that." Yeah. To me, that's a magician thing.
0: I I think I love that definition, and it's I've never heard it qu- quite put that way, but it totally captures for me what it is. I think of it as the as the archetype of transformation, and the transformation can come can look a lot of different ways it's it's mm. it, mystics for sure um, thrive over here because they're working with the divine however you conceive the divine a lot of times there's a you know when i work with my spiritual mm-hmm. teacher i'm like he's not only conveying eternal truths he's reminding me of it like to your point he's changing the narrative that i have of what's going on all you know almost magically like i'm like wow, well, of course of course I know that. Like wow, I don't think yes. I ever everybody anybody ever quite said it that way or I ever thought it that way but he's he's having me contact the divine directly um it, with the, these these techniques that are very subtle i'm it's 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 reminding me of something eternal in myself uh, the soul's journey or the spiritual path um spiritual enlightenment all these different things but it's also the quadrant of anybody that works with poetry uh, music um all these different all the arts that remind us of transcendence um and so uh, and then like on a lower scale i don't want to say it's less than but like you see it in technology so a lot of the young guys they they, there's a magic to technology certainly is it multi-dimensional does it connect you with the divine does it completely transform your narrative into something that has a touch of magic if it doesn't it's probably not considered high magician right it's like um so and you know there's just i think some there is some shadow there that i see in men that maybe have not wrestled with some of the existential questions it doesn't take um, a lot to take on a meditation practice to see like what are all the mystics talking about why does tony and and james talk about it this way why why does a spiritual teacher seem so uh resonant with something that's so deep inside me it's it doesn't take a ton of work to uncover that but i see a little bit of resistance in some men of like oh you know that means i would do meditation on a daily basis or some sort of contemplative practice might yield more ahas or spiritual um you know insights. And the answer the answer is yes, it would. If you do if you do work over there, you're going yeah. to You're gonna, if you do the work the mystics do, you're gonna know what the mystics know. And there's no way around it. Nobody just hands it to you. You have to say, I want that for myself. And so I would say, everything you said, and then the things I said, I think there's a little bit, sometimes a shadow there, where uh, maybe a man wants a quick fix. Like, I wanna know what James knows. It's like, okay, well, then maybe. Uh, ask him how he got to that, those realizations. Ask him about his spiritual practice. What does he studying with the teacher? That would be one way to, to start to uncover that. And yeah. you know, the, the short version: it's a, it's all in you if you're willing to do the work. You know, so, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, there's a there's a particular version of what you're describing, I think. And mm-hmm. you tell me what you think, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, that I see fairly often um which is when you've got somebody who is accustomed to being the smart person in the room yeah they will they will uh, misuse that that gift to to dodge their emotional work yeah and they will uh they will use a little trick to disrupt things or to you know kind of uh toss a distracting bone you know a different Mm -hmm. direction Mm -hmm. uh and that is a that is a magician kind of of trick or energy Yep. but it's it's misusing it not even on behalf of themselves much less anyone else right right yeah Uh, i see that a lot actually (laughs) yeah
0: yeah yeah. um and it kind of it speaks to kind of a, there's a m- emotional or there's a spiritual maturity. I think that's in the mature magician, mm-hmm. somebody that has done a, a fair amount of work or, or, or been committed to a path of truth, I think, mm-hmm. where where the truth is not handed to you. The truth emerges out of the practice inside of you. And you surround yourself, hopefully, with people that are doing similar work so the the, the resonance um, lifts all the boats, so to speak. And yeah. I think that that's, that's readily available to anybody that wants it. That's the thing is it's, you know, they used to disguise it in kind of mystery schools. That's that's why it's called magician. You know, there, there, was, there was adepts that, well, oh, we're only going to hand these secrets to transformation to a select group of you know the priesthood or 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 the initiates but we're way past that it's really available and it the truth wants to be found about yeah. our divinity, our place in the universe, and it's right there. It's teed up for anybody that wants to step into it. I think there's never been a better time to figure out: Am I, you know, am I part immortal, so to speak? You know, I don't want to be, you know, getting into philosophy and religion, but there's there's never been a better a better time right now to discover what's really going on inside of you and inside of humanity. Absolutely. No. So. Um, the the last one I wanted to, I saved it for last and I have a small story to tell. So, uh, about the archetypal King and, um, for years, for, for 15 years, I led men's groups, uh, where we did rounds of, uh, you know, lover, magician, warrior and King and you know, we were handed processes that we did and we developed certainly a lot of different processes and ways of expressing those four archetypes. But there was a funny thing. There would be lots of work and lots of expression in three of them, the lover, the warrior, and the magician. There was just countless creativity, a lot of different ways that men would go into these. And we would get to King and it would be anemic. Like we couldn't figure out what is, mm. what is the... The proper expression of a mature yeah. king, and I had I had great men in there. I had men that were my mentors, mm. um, and it stayed with me. It was just kind of this incomplete, you know. We would do stuff around gratitude and stuff around you know legacy and stuff, but it 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 never felt like we were quite capturing it, and it existed as kind of an incomplete for, with me for a lot a lot of years, where I was like, why is that not manifesting in these wisdom councils that i'm a part of why does this seem to be kind of elusive and i'm seeing it right now that this is the edge i think i think men are doing work in in the in all three of the other archetypes and i think there's a call right now to claim the archetypal king and i think there's a shadow there and i want to explain it a little bit and then hand it mm-hmm. to you in that we have you know the the two shadows of the king are the tyrant and the weakling mm-hmm. and i think that we have been living under the shadow of a king that's not really ours in other words the the tyrannical forces that have been running things uh, you know you can make a really healthy case. There's a lot of sociopaths that make decisions on behalf of humanity. In other words, they really don't have, they really don't have feeling for you and I, they're not really acting on our best behalf. And as we, the people, the men, we've taken the other shadow. We've been the weakling and it's, we have said, well, we're not really running things. That's Henry Kissinger or that's Bill Gates or Tony Fauci or, you know, Putin, who name, name your tyrant. Um, we don't decide things. And so there's been this kind of victim weakling collective that we've all sort of been underneath. And so when I get together in good men's groups, when we go to claim Healthy King, we don't really know what it is. We don't have access because we're so used to like, and I hear a couple different things. I hear men go, well isn't the king isn't that the power you know i want to have power and tell everybody what to do i go no that's not what it is that's that's a shadow of the king that's the tyrant we're not that's not what we're trying to reclaim and i started to touch on something here with sovereignty because uh the the, the king is another name for it is the sovereign same for queen it's sovereign are we reclaiming our sovereignty and it seems to me there is a lot of work to be done here Um, and i'm trying to do it in my own way uh, am I sovereign am I am I am I wearing a mask all over? I'm not I don't want to get all into covid necessarily But I see a lot of men giving up their sovereignty right now saying well, I have to do this It's like do you have to do that? Is that are you acting as a sovereign being? Or are you following Things that aren't laws because it's you know, are you virtue signaling? You know, there's all these different things and i'm seeing a lot of room for us to sort of reclaim what has been dormant or what I've never seen in my lifetime, which is a healthy expression of a collective king that is part of our awakening, not part of any sort of lineage that we don't have a lineage in, that I can see. This is really reclaiming the edge of, men. what are we gonna do? What is best for humanity? Can we have those conversations? I would take just about, any ten men or women that care about humanity to make decisions over the people that make decisions right now, because I know that we would move things in a good way way quicker than what we have now, which is this bureaucracy to protect, you know, people that don't really have. It's not to point fingers, but I I don't I don't think sociopaths should be calling the shots right now, and it's going to take a healthy sovereign to start to figure it out. And I, I know that's a lot to unpack on you, but I just thought maybe you could grab a, a couple of those pieces and start to unfold that <laughs> a little bit. It, it's an ongoing conversation and I'm trying to figure it out along with everybody else in the moment. Cause it's a very dynamic.
1: Yeah. Well, no, thank you for all of that. That's, yeah. it's uh, really, really wonderful for you to kind of pull together you know that that combination of your, your personal thoughts and your the advantage of all of your, um, uh, you know your your collected insight and professional uh, observations and all of that uh, makes a tremendous amount of sense. Um, which on ramp do you want to take there? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, That's that's exactly exactly. I mean, you know, um, the 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 political side is something you know i probably i probably would would step away from it anyway yeah uh in in this in this context you know the podcast uh thing but the the main thing is that um we don't how do I want to say this we we don't have an apparent solution to it I know, and one of the one of the bravest things I think we can do is to admit something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, in the context of uh, sort of uh, you start where you are, uh, and and that is way different than saying there's no hope or saying there's you know uh, we have no chance, give up or anything. Like that that is, right. you know, in in me anyway. That is like completely different from that that's just saying this is where we are um you know as you say uh so you know as you put it uh, sociopaths are running the show uh to what extent now i i feel an obligation uh to to say in a technical sense, we don't know how many of these people are uh, diagnosably sociopathic or, sure. you know, some other personality disorder. Yeah. Uh, but it certainly seems like a, a much higher uh, 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 ratio than in the general public seems yeah. in some cases it might be a requirement for election, Yeah. Uh, you know, or selection by the powers that be behind them. Uh, you know that you may have to have some of those traits in order to be desired by you know by the folks with the money. Yeah. Um. But there's also something that when you when you get any kind of organization, um, that gets above a hundred people or so, um, the organization itself is going to take on. Somewhat sociopathic or as I like to say, reptilian mm-hmm. uh features. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, it's going to be extraordinarily low on on empathy and extraordinarily high on those kind of basic, uh, you know, viewing everything else as, you know, uh, is this something that I eat or something that eats me? Yeah. You know, uh, it's going to have that kind of logic. And it doesn't matter whether that organization is uh you know, Walmart or the Boy Scouts of America, or even, you know, a church organization or what have you, as soon as it gets into that kind of larger group organization, it's going to begin to take on those sorts of features and make Mm -hmm. decisions in that way. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have these enormous, enormous, enormous uh, political organizations that, that uh, operate, operate that way. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Uh, even with regard to that, you know, saying nothing about the kind of the rampant corruption that we we uh, see happening, uh, this is what this is what's going on. So, I'm not looking myself for a wise and uh, and loving and highly mature king to step forward right now and kind of solve that for me. No, no, that's my personal thing. No, however. That said, um, I want to look first to myself mm-hmm. and say, in what, in what way am I being responsive and responsible uh, in developing the, the, the kingness that's in me? Um, I am a father, I'm a grandfather, and uh, king energy is very much in those roles. Yes, there is another circle, a, a sort of a loose community that's around me, and I have king-like responsibilities mm-hmm. in in that. And I always want to look for where are the where are the the places of of mirroring and reflection that I get about um, because uh, I can't always rely on my own, <laughs> uh, you know. Um, my own mirroring of myself. So where do I, where do I get good feedback about how I'm doing in, in those respects? So I look, I, I look at that. I love where that. Do I, I, yeah, sorry, I, go ahead.
0: I, I love that. Cause it, 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 one of the things that is, that is, that shows itself or manifests with healthy, sovereign or King energy is mm-hmm. this kind of, your values get carried over, through the generations, right? Mm-hmm. You you understand that what's what I'm leaving is my, my what my heart cared about, what this kind of uh, resonance of the things, you know, that that I love nature, that I love people, that that is what gets carried into future generations. I, I think also to, uh, what you were saying earlier about, you know, there's a lot of stuff right now. You see it in certain circles and tribes around uh, the deep state and all that stuff, mm-hmm. the sociopaths. It's, to identify it as enough, I don't think... I, and I've been down a ton of rabbit holes, but it, there isn't. Ultimately, you have to like set that aside and say, yes, of course, there's that going on, but you can't get stuck over there, right? Because I think uh, to your point earlier, uh, there isn't a king coming to save us. It's that we are raising. I think the vibration or the consciousness level of humanity is starting is moving up day by day I think we're 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 realizing our unity more and more people are starting to realize they're they're finding the higher ground and the structures that we build will be built out of that consciousness so in in other words like you said I I don't see a, a solution today but as consciousness evolves, I think the solutions will come out of our collective, uh, uh, you know, intention, prayers, brainstorming, creative activity, you know, divine intervention—all the things that are at our disposal as we continue to evolve as a species. I think those—that's what the king, the archetypal king, asserts itself through our collective awakening and so we don't have to have the answers we just have to have the right intention and not get down where we're blaming others or we're going down these things where we're you know we're we're all in shadow we're projecting all of our you know all the stuff we project on to people that have power and we have we haven't figured out
1: oh it's us we're the solution we got to figure this out right so yeah. um I, I, yeah, yeah absolutely no absolutely that that um, phrase that's become a cliche, but we are the ones that we have been waiting for. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I like I like what you're saying there. So, uh, well, James, thanks so much. Any last words? Any
0: last words of wisdom around King? Anything we've covered? Um, I love this conversation. I love everything that uh, we've unpacked today. I think it's been a really interesting uh, uh, tour of the archetypes. But any uh, any last words? That's kind of hanging out.
1: I guess what I would. Yeah, I I I do uh, just in terms of the things to emphasize, principles overarching to emphasize. Yeah. Um, in looking at this, I would say, uh, you know, each of these archetypes, in some ways, you could look in the same way you would look at a tool. So you look at the the advanced form of, uh, of a king or a magician or the lover or the. Um, uh, you know, uh, any one of them mm-hmm. as being like highly desirable traits and really powerful The warrior. Um, and the images of those things are going to appeal to us in our primal sense, you know, as surely as much as a tool would. Mm-hmm. So in the same way that, um, you know, someone, you know, whether you're talking about an adult or a kid would, would look at a a tool, anything from money to, you know, that cool gun sitting right there, or, you know, any, any kind of, you know, tool, potentially someone would look at and go, Ooh, what could I do with that? You know, and begin to crave, begin to crave it. So we shouldn't be alarmed, nor should we deny if possible that, those things appeal to us instead what we what we should begin to understand as quickly as possible is that that craving exists in us and we are going to have to temper it Mm. so in the in the same way that 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 craving of the development of that is an energy within us and we want to ride that in the development of that the development of the lover the development of the warrior or the magician or the king we also are going to need to use the development of our maturity and uh, the development of true humility in uh, in the tempering of that, mm. so so that it becomes this this uh, full full manifestation. So if we begin, if if we're wondering, okay, where am I in my development? One of the things that you see is is the true fruit coming out of this not only on behalf of myself, but on behalf of others. Yep. Is that, is it, is it not just in my behavior, but also in my heart? Yep. And That's great. Uh, that, that gives you a good, uh, clue is to kind of where you are with that. Okay, that was my final thought.
0: That's great. I love it. Thank you so much for that. And James, thanks again for coming on and sharing your insight and your wisdom. It's always great to be in a conversation with you. Uh, we'll have to do this again as we unpack 2022 and see what arises. I think uh, I think we'll be doing something later this year, I'm sure as as events fold unfold and we maybe come across things that we really want to chat about. But I really appreciate your friendship and I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing today.
1: Oh, likewise, Tony. It's always a joy to to talk with you about this stuff. I love what you're doing. Thank you, brother.
0: I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. If working with male archetypes is interesting to you, I happen to emphasize this approach in my coaching practice. I currently have a life renewal program for men that helps you work with these archetypes plus the archetypal hero. I love working with this as a framework and I can certainly help you create them as powerful tools for whatever transition or challenge you are facing. If you're interested and want to get started or you're just curious as to what these sessions would be like, I offer the first session for free, no strings attached. It's a good way you to see how you might benefit and if working with me is in alignment with you and where you want to go as a man. If you find value in our show and wish to show us some love, we are now making that very easy to do. You simply go to www.basecampformin.com and click on Donate Support Basecamp. You'll find an easy way to make either monthly donations for as little as $5 a month, or you can donate just once. We love the monthly donation and hope to build this up over the coming months, but any show of support is greatly appreciated, honestly. Thank you for your support and for helping to keep Basecamp as a resource on your hero's journey. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac and you're listening to Basecamp for Men.